articulate this provisions of salvation will have major issue in life. He says, so what makes you think you can escape? He's writing to Christians. This letter was not written to heathens. There is no letter in the Bible written to heathens. It was all written to the church. All of them. There's not one. So what makes you think we can escape if we ignore this great salvation that was first announced by the Lord Jesus himself and then delivered to us? So he's talking these are people who have received this salvation, delivered to us by those who heard him speak. What makes you think, you, do you have any other plan of, of, of escape except the salvation that God delivered to you in Christ Jesus? If you ignore his presence, do we have any other power that should do what he's doing in us? Number one is the new creation, for example, born of the Holy Spirit or the new birth, or being born again, is what he does. That's why he starts with us. I said yesterday, we don't preach the Holy Spirit to people who are not Christians. He was sent to the church to walk with the church. And as the church is preaching the gospel, he's confirming it. He's the one, he is the one that is convicting people of their need of Christ. He was sent to the church to walk in us, among us, among us is with, and then upon us with us, to use us, to use us. Jesus was sent to the world. The Bible said the world cannot receive the Holy Spirit. They don't know him. They are dead in sin. They are completely dead. They don't know him. So you don't go <laughs> preaching the Holy Spirit to people who are not Christians. So the first thing is, in salvation, look at what he did. This is the work of the Holy Spirit in us. The great work of the Holy Spirit is this. John 3, 5. Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. Born of the Spirit is from the work of the Holy Spirit. So Titus explains it. Titus 3.5. He saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done. Not because of the righteous things we had done. But because of his mercy, he washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us, through Jesus Christ our Savior. Because of his grace, he declared us righteous and forgave and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. He says through the Holy Spirit that he does this. Now when the Bible says, John 3, 5, when he says uh, that which is um, very, very son to you, except a man is born of water and the Spirit. Now we see metaphor again. The Bible is full of metaphors. It's full of it's, there are allegories, there are parables. When you talk of metaphor, you are talking of a phrase or a word, a phrase or a word, which is it's a figure of it's a figure of uh, speech. 
a word or a phrase is applied to an object or action to which it is not literally applicable. For instance, if I say your heart is stone, your heart is not stone. It's not literally applicable. But that word is used to explain something about the nature of your heart. It's called metaphor. Allegories is a whole, like a, 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 a story or a poem. It's identical to parable. But, but the, the difference is that it's something that can interpret to, interpreted to reveal a hidden meaning, typically of moral lessons. Parable is also stories that reveal moral lessons. But metaphor is a phrase or a word that is used, is used, is applied to an object or action to which it is not literally applicable. So when he says we are born of water, it's not literally applicable. So it's not talking of water baptism. But I'll show you what he's talking about. Look at First um, Peter 2, 1, Ephesians 2, 5, I want to show you the metaphorical use of the word water here. Just like Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. It's, it's not literally applicable to him that is bread we eat. It's a metaphorical revelation of his, what he's doing in our lives. That he's providing life. Like bread provides life. When the prophet said, I ate your word, it, it doesn't mean he ate it in his mouth. So Ephesians 5.25, husbands love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. See, so he's used the, the water to show how the word of God changes people, purifies people. By the washing, by, with the washing of water by the word. So when he says water and spirit, is talking that the, the spirit of God uses the, the gospel, the word, the gospel, to change you. Again, 1 Peter 1.23. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. You see, you are born again by the word of God. The Holy Spirit uses the word of God, the gospel, to bring you salvation and help you to understand, to accept it. So that's one thing he does. That's one thing he does. Now, the other thing he does in us that he's the power that works in us. And without him, we can do absolutely nothing. That's why we need to recognize his presence in us. Ephesians 3.20. Now, unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. So when we pray and ask, the Bible says he works according to that power that worketh in us, not outside of us yet, but in us. He, he, that power in us is the power that God uses to do things in our lives. Things that are exceedingly abundant above all that we can think. Philippians 2, 13. For it is God which worketh in you 
God works in you. God works in me. God works in you. God works in me. Both to will and to do his good pleasure. If I do not recognize that it is God working in me, both to will and to do his good pleasure, I won't even know what is, what, when he's working in me to do something. Because I'm totally oblivious of his presence. And then I'm left with only one option. That is to focus on me and do the things that I think is right, the things the way I think, because we have neglected the one I work in me to will and to do. And sometimes I take credit for what I should give him credit for because I, have, I don't even remember him there. And because of that, I don't even consult him. You see what, what that can do? So look at what he does in us. He's making manifest the life of Christ in us to bring Christ Jesus glory. Second Corinthians 2.14, but thanks be to God who always leads us in his triumph in Christ and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. The sweet, I'm reading NASB, the sweet aroma, the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. So he uses us to bring the revelation of Christ to people. Now the scriptures say we are the written epistle, which others read and see. The Christian must know that this is a very important uh, uh, um, thing that the Holy Spirit is using him to do. So when I talk to people, is, is that, does it, is it aroma of Christ? When I go to my job, am I really? You see, we need to be conscious of these things. So we cooperate with him. If we're not conscious of them, we, we storm out and do whatever we like and bring the, stink, the, st the stench of the world. It's not the aroma of Christ. We bring the stench of the flesh. Verse 15 says, For we are a fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. We are a fragrance of Christ. That's what it's all about. Now, look at how, how he does this in Romans 8, 11. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit that dwells in you. He gives life to my mortal bodies. He gives life is activity to my mortal bodies. The scripture says that what the Lord could not do, God did by sending his son so that he can give us life and give us the ability and produce through us the righteous character of God. He gives life to my mortal bodies. We use it for healing, that's appropriate. But we also use it to, to, to show that Christ walking in us enables us to control our flesh. So he says, but if, if the spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he also he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit which dwells in you. If you read the next verse 12, can you put up verse 12 for me? The next verse, verse 12. You will see where I say, therefore, because of this, verse 12. It's just the next verse, verse 12. He said, therefore, with me, because of this, 
Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh anymore. To live according to the flesh. We are no more debtors because there is a power. There is a power that is manifesting through our flesh to help us to control it. See, because of that, we are no more debtors to the flesh. We are no more slaves to the flesh. We have the ability to control it now. So in, a, in a Second Corinthians 5.14, we can see where Paul expressed and explained this uh, ministry. Look at what Paul said. Either way, Christ's love controls us. See what he's saying? He said, this life controls us. This life is dominant. This new life, this new power, this new power of the Holy Spirit controls us. God is love. He said it controls us. It controls. It controls. It controls. The word controls means he's taking over. He's in charge. He's manifesting. See, so these things are not what you do by, by laws. The law, laws of Moses can't produce this. This is what only Christ can produce for us. So his, he said, the spirit of you that raised Christ is in us, giving life to your mortal body. Script means through that power you can control your body. And the Bible says, yes, that's true. Paul said, the love of Christ controls me now. There is a power that controls me. And brethren, if you understand these things, you confess them and believe them, you will experience them too. It's not, this is not a long story. That would be your life. You, you realize that that's the control you have. That's power that's controlling you. The things you used to struggle with, that they die. You, you really die. They die. Truly is true. You realize that truly, truly, there's a power. There's a power that is controlling you now. You, you, you almost have to make effort to do things contrary to that power. Unlike before. So it's not what you get by Ten Commandments or by, you know, a Christian does this or don't do that. No. It's what you get by believing. You get by believing. You get it. That's why the just is by faith. By believing. When you believe, you see. So Paul said, either way, Christ's love controls us. Why is it working for Paul? Since we believe. You see, that's why it's working for Paul. If I believe what he believes, I, I experience what he experiences. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have died to the old life. Simple. The question of, you know, uh, Christian, you must do this. No, no, what do you believe? Because it shall be to you according to your faith. What you so we, we believe two things. We believe that Christ died for all. So he, don't, he, he didn't forget that Jesus died for him. The gospel was a main message, not just what they talk in church, but it was a controlling factor in his faith system. He believed the gospel. He believed the gospel, the power of God unto salvation. He believed it. What the gospel says, he believed it. He said, I believe that Christ died for all. He died for me. We also believe that we have, we have all died to our old life. Which means I'm a new creature. He believed it. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. That's why they don't live for themselves. Because they received his new life. Not lost. They received his new life. He said that's why they don't longer live for them. Because this new life is love. It's selfless. 
It's the same life that died on the cross for us. Gave up, he said, the same life, the same spirit of Christ. Why was it working for him? Because he simply believed it. He died for everyone so that those who receive this new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. It's simple. It's not, it's not too difficult. So this is what the Spirit of God does in our lives. When we receive this life, we receive this, this Spirit in us that, that gives life to our mortal bodies. The, 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 we, we realize that the old life is gone. We now have a new life, which is the life of Christ. And if we believe it, it starts manifesting its nature. It's not manifesting the old nature. It's manifesting its nature. Philippians 1.11. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation. The righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. It's produced by the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. It's not produced by us. We are not the true vine. We are just a branch. It's produced by him. Now, if we are not conscious of his presence in us, we are likely to ignore him and try to produce these things, which we are not the ones producing them. But religion will teach you to produce them. Religion will not point you to Christ, will not point you to the gospel, will not point you to what the Holy Spirit is doing, will not point you to the power at work in you, it will point you to yourself and what you need to do and what you must do. But you know you fail. See what Jesus said about how this new life will be are flowing, will be flowing through us like rivers. That's why he said we receive this life in abundance. John 7 38. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Talking about life. Then he said, But this he spake, this spake he of the spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. There has no reason from the dead. So the Holy Spirit, the life, life has not been offered about that time. So when you receive this, this Spirit of Christ in you, the, 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 the scripture says, out of your belly will flow rivers of the living water. The Spirit of God will manifest this abundance life. Abundant life. It's not you. It's not you flowing. You're not the one. Church, you are not the one. If you try to, you, you impede him, you stop it. But if you only believe and trust, you will see the glory of God. So we're saying that it is through the power he gives us that we're able to put our flesh to death because we read it before. Therefore, we don't owe the flesh anything no more. We don't, in Romans 8, 12, therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what the sinful nature urges you to do, starting. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit, power of the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So it is through this power that walketh in us that we put to death. We snuff out. We snuff out the activities of the flesh. 
It's not character management. It's not I'm better. No. It's say so you put it to death. It dies. Again, it's a process. Because we are all born spiritual babies. The more you know, the more you understand, the more you believe, the more you see it work, the more your faith is grounded in Christ, the more you see him manifest this life. The more it's gra- That's called spiritual growth. It's not an overnight thing. But if you start believing, you start seeing. You start seeing. You start seeing something drop off you. Drop off, without effort. You no effort. You just see Christ work. And, and it's, it's one thing that made Jesus real to a Christian because you see him on daily basis. You see that this is not what I used to do. I don't even have interest in this anymore. I don't have interest in this anymore. You find some things your flesh will want to, but you know there's a control. You come back. It's like something, you know, <laughs> you want to. No. That's a power that controls you. Why? Because you have believed in it. You have, you have given him the permission to manifest by acknowledging him. You have cooperated with him. And he's the spirit of revelation. That makes sense the gospel of grace. Again, I keep saying, this is why I, you know, I used to bother me. I say, why well, people can't understand grace? I remember that many years of my life as a Christian, I didn't understand grace. Actually, I preached against grace and preached against all of it. In fact, there was something I said when I remember it today, I laughed. I said, they're telling us that okay, uh, the law is over. I said, how do you live your Christian life without the law? Okay, how do you drive? If we don't have law, how do we drive? You see, they're causing confusion. I preached it. <laughs> I did. They're Confucianists. <laughs> I preached it. I did. Until God opened my eyes. It's, it's where we believe 58, um, what do you call your street? That, in that office, I started to see God. I said, God, this is not working. Where am I missing it? I set out time. 40 days. I'm not talking about fasting. I, I did fast, but 40 days of seeking God on this issue. And he answered me. He said, you don't know my son. That's your problem. I said, I don't know Jesus. So what have you been preaching? He said, you have not been preaching him because you don't know him. I said, really? He said, since you became a Christian, where have they taught you about my son? And yet he's the word. He's the word. So I went to church to preach Jesus. I didn't last one summer. I realized I didn't know him. So I went back to the Lord. I said, Lord, I don't know him. He said, yeah, I wanted you to find out. I said, I said you need to help me. He said, that's why I sent the Holy Spirit to reveal him to you. You can't know him. It won't make sense to you. Because it's not a natural phenomenon. It's a spiritual phenomenon. It doesn't belong to the class of your natural knowledge. You, you can't figure it out. Your brain can't figure it out. Your brain figures out nothing that's spiritual. I started to seek and the Lord opened my eyes. The first thing he taught me is the gift of righteousness. That's the first thing he taught me. That righteousness is a gift. So it's the Holy Spirit that makes sense of all of this. The Holy Spirit makes sense of all of this. Again, I remember when I, I went to Lagos and I preaching this things. They thought I had backsliding. I, I just remember that I was like that. I was like that. 
until Pastor Fasharate came, and we were going for a convention, and he followed us, and sitting after my wife was in, and the Lord said, if you ask me, I will open his eyes. He can't see what you are seeing. Right there, I said, Lord, I pray that you open his eyes in Jesus' name. Not long, too long, no. He left two weeks after he called me, sent a text. No, he, said, he said, what have I been preaching? He said, my eyes popped open. No, that thing you're teaching is true. I said, Pastor, let me tell you what happened. He said, I went back to my notes when I got saved. It's the same th- he said, where did we miss this thing? So the Holy Spirit makes sense of grace. See, the Bible says the peace of God passes to human understanding. The love of God, you can't understand it. You can't. You don't, you don't get it because you came to church and they're making a fault. No. If the Holy Spirit doesn't make sense of who Christ is, make sense of grace, you would think it's foolish. You, you, you think he makes people commissing. You, because you don't understand that that's the power of God, changing people and keeping people safe. You, you will see how it connects. Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God, we pass it all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. How can you understand this? <laughs> How can you? The way you understand it is Luke 24, 45. Then opened he their understanding. That's how it works. That they might understand the scripture. If he doesn't do this, you won't understand anything. When they say that your sins are forgiven, you will not believe it. You'll be imagining because you see you are, you are real that can't fathom it up. It's, it's, it's just like that. So they go and be sinning. That's what you'll be thinking. I used to think like that. I, I used to believe that too. It's the spirit of That's why you should be patient with people. Be patient and be proud. Be patient with people. Remembering that you too are, the, and you still don't understand everything yet. There are a lot of things I, I don't know. A lot. Another major work he does in us is he guides us. A Christian lives by God's guidance. Understanding God's guidance is key to living a victorious life and enjoying your privileges in Christ. If you don't understand the guidance of the Holy Spirit, the devil will take advantage of it and deceive you. You will not walk in victory. You need him to guide. I tell you, I say victory. The Spirit leads you to victory. He leads you to victory. He leads you to victory. He leads you to still waters. He leads you to steal water. He leads you to pastures. He leads you. He guides you. Romans 8, 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So if you want to live as a Christian, you must be led by the Spirit of God. And when you are being led by the Spirit of God, you are no more than the law. Because you are dead to the law. Alive, alive to Christ in the Spirit. Again, I can't explain it to you, except the Holy Spirit explains this thing to you. But it's true. You are dead to the law, but you are alive to Christ by the power of the Spirit. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. 
David said, he has to be your shepherd. If you don't want to want, if you don't want to be defeated, if you want your needs met, the Lord has to guide you. He needed me with our still waters. He has to. If you, don't, if you want, you know, we read this thing, but it's something that teaches us the way you, are, you, are, you shall not want is that you have to make him your shepherd. So you don't want. So if he's not guiding me, then want will come. Because I don't know where the green pasture is. I don't know where the still water is, but he knows it. I remember uh, Kenny Higgins' son-in-law. You see how, he, how he leads us to still waters, green pastures. The son-in-law got a job, and that job they were offering him thousands to be the city manager or whatever. Thousands. And then <laughs> a church called him and offered him to be their music minister or youth pastor at $100 a month or something. And he took the $100 a month. So the people in the city got crazy. They were calling his father-in-law, calling everybody, say, this man is crazy. How can he choose, can he choose this? $100 a month, and we're offering him, I think it's a business or something. It's a business, we're offering him, and we promise to make him manager, pay him, I'm not talking about that time, 60 something thousand was a lot of money, even up to today. Say, the Lord leads you to green pastures. In the eyes of the world, that 64,000 was green pastures. But God sees 10 years to come and knows what the green pasture is. So he took $100. <laughs> and it wasn't long. That thing they were offering him, the thing flopped. If you read most of the publications, it's from it's Harrison House. That is his publishing house that God gave him out of serving him in the church. The green pasture. God gave him, when he passed away, that business is still going. His children, children are ch chopping out of it. Harrison House Publishing. It's one of the biggest publishing houses for Christian books up to today. That's Kenny Higgins' son-in-law. It was why he was taking this $100 green, green patch. God knows why it is. He, God laid him, that's the green patch for you. This $100 is the beginning of something big, according to my plan for you. The devil offered him the one, the world, see. You see, success is only defined by God. It's not by human beings. And it's not by money. Because if it's by money, then John the Baptist failed. But he succeeded. So from there, God began to move him. And 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 he started Harrison House. The guidance of the Holy Spirit is very important, people. Very, very important. So how does he lead us? By the inward witness of the Holy Spirit. This is how he leads us daily. Everywhere. In the market, in your car. This is how he leads you in your toilet. Everything. By this inward witness. You must know it. You must practice it. You must grow in it. If you don't, again, you're going to miss guidance. Romans 8.16 the spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So there's a witness that the Holy Spirit bears with your spirit. Again, this witness is not with your head. Neither is it with your feeling. Your feeling, your head have nothing to do with it. I'm going to teach us healing because the Lord showed me 
why people are not healed. And I saw it. I said, whoa, that's true. I said, Lord, that's true. By the time we get there, you see where this thing really connects everything we do. And if you will listen and follow, you are going to get, you find that it's easy to get things from God. And you see where God showed me, say, this is the block you people have been having. And it's true. Bear it with witness with your spirit. Your head has no witness in it. Neither does your feeling have. But that's where Christians go to check witness. If they feel, they say anointing moved. If they don't feel, they say it didn't move. How can you flow with him? The witness is with your spirit. Not with your flesh. Not with your head. It has nothing to do with both of them. Again, we look for these things, how we will feel and what we see. The witness is not with your flesh. It doesn't bear witness with your flesh. Your flesh has no witness from him. In fact, it doesn't deal with your flesh at all. It's your spirit. If we understand this, then we can, we can really follow him more easily. Because you see, your flesh, I, I gave an example with Buddy Harrison. Now. His, his head will look at 64000 compared with $100 a month or something. The feeling. If it's by feeling ahead, this one is foolish. But inside his spirit, he had peace and he followed his peace. You must differentiate. You must understand, child of God. I'm begging you, please. Your head, your intellect, your feeling is useless. God does not deal with it. Please, please, please. Remember that God is a spirit. He deals with only your spirit. So his witnessing is with your spirit only. So your brain and your feelings can have a different witnessing from the senses of the world, you know, all these unbelieving believers and your friends, or walking into that group of bunch of unbelievers talking what they see, what they feel. If you follow them, you fail. You fail. That's why when people, people, many people go to marry, they get confused. Because they, they have witness in their spirit, but their head and their feeling is giving them trouble. So they're looking for witness in their head, say, what I see. What I'm not seeing. And the way I feel about him or her. It does, it's irrelevant. The spirit of God is not giving you witness through that. If you understand, you shut off those things. Knock it off because the devil uses it to confuse and focus on what is my spirit see. That's why you get it. Again, what your spirit is showing you might make your feeling look bad. Your smile was telling a story about how the husband was praying for God to give him a, 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 a woman he will help. So I want somebody I will help in life. I married Josmer, and Josmer came with a lot of baggage. <laughs> this somebody I want to help. And the man went back to God and said, Lord, this is, this is what, what, what I, as he said, but you asked me to send you somebody to help. And I sent you somebody to help. You came back here to bother. Okay, but you can see where that somebody to help our brother, man, and the wife today. You can see where they are. Because initially it didn't look like, it looked like terrible, terrible, terrible. The witness of his peace 
His peace that he gives you is how you know. That peace is in your spirit. Not Your flesh can't have it. Forget it. It doesn't know anything. Philippians 4, 7. Then you will experience God's peace. That's God's peace. God's peace. God's peace. This peace comes from God. It comes from the Holy Spirit. It doesn't come from your environment. It doesn't come from your knowledge. You can, you can go for 100 counseling. That's up to you. But this peace comes only from you. And you may not understand it. But many of the time, you won't understand it. He said, this peace, which exceeds anything we can understand, you can't figure it out. Because it's working with your spirit. Your understanding cannot fathom it out. The origin is God. It's too much for your understanding to f- figure God out. can't figure God out. You're not at this level. You're physical. He speaks with guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ. So you want to do something. There's peace you have, but your head and your flesh is in tumor. Again, if you remember what we're saying today, you know there's a normal thing. It's always like that. Why you're having this peace? Your head and your flesh are in tumor. Because they don't understand. They don't understand this peace you're talking about. Why should you have peace about it? Are you not seeing this thing? Can't you see it? No, I, I'm not, you're not part of the whole thing. The spirit is working with my spirit, not you. That's why the Bible says don't walk by sight. Walk only by faith. Look at Luke 1, 79. It says to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. God's peace cannot be uh, imitated. It cannot be faked. It's only, Jesus said, my peace I leave to you. So the world can't give it to you. It's not, you, can, you can't fake it. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. The devil can't fake peace. It, all he can do is when you f- walk with his flesh and your understanding, he will make you comfortable in what, in your human, you follow the things that make you comfortable. You don't have peace. That make you comfortable. You feel comfortable. Peace you don't have. Because inside of you, if you're a Christian, inside of you, you, you are going to feel lack of peace. Or you are going to feel it. Because the spirit is so faithful. But the devil can make you comfortable because in the eyes of men, yeah, and people say, yeah, that's it now. Ah, bros. Bro. And bro is walking into bro. <laughs> the spirit will make you, if you, you check inside, you have peace. It's your, he loves you so much, he will, let, he will do his best to help you not to do that. You have peace. And sometimes you, 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 know, you feel it and you, you sense it inside. But you know your bros and friends are urging you and say, yeah, let's go, let's go. And when trouble comes, they run away. Then he guides us by the, okay, let me talk about this thing, please. If you want to do something, shake inside of you. If, if you have this, there's, this, there's a way this thing feels like, it's like, I don't know how to describe it. You're uncomfortable. Let me put it like that. You're uncomfortable inside. You don't know why. You don't have to know why. Go to the Lord and say, Lord, is this you? Is this you? Because I'm uncomfortable in my spirit. 
You are inner man. Comfortable. I don't have peace there. I remember I went to do my work, and I went there. There was no car there. I said, I'm doing the car here this cold morning. I said, I'm not going to that place. I just left. So immediately I left, packed my car. I said, but the weather is warmer. Let me go again. As I was pulling back, hmm, I didn't have peace. I put, immediately I went back and parked my car, I had peace. I said, yeah, there must be something. There must be reason that the Lord didn't want me to go back there and waste my petrol. Because sometimes I now realize that a lot of trees fell. A lot of trees fell. And it was so windy that people didn't want to go because trees could stay fall because of the weakness of the soil. If we, if we realize these things and we make conscious effort to observe them, grow in them, it becomes part of your life. You, it becomes the way you do things naturally. Then there's the scripture, Psalm 119, verse 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The scripture is a lamp unto our feet and light unto our path. You cannot, the Holy Spirit will never lead you contrary to scripture. Never. And I don't care what prophet gives you that prophecy. Contrary to scripture, don't take it. And not just one scripture. The Bible said, at the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word is established. Don't run on one scripture. You'll be deceived. You need a second, third one. I tell people, get three scriptures, my friend. So you get the context of what God is saying. Isaiah 8, look to God's instructions and teachings. People who contradict his word are completely in the dark. That's true, because the word of God is light. The Holy Spirit will never lead you outside scripture. In fact, most of the time, he'll refer you to scripture. Then there's this still small voice of God speaking in you. You know, the, 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 you, you may not hear it always, because it's not always... The, this scripture, the guidance by scripture and then word witnessing are the two major ways. It leads us all the time. But the still small voice of the Spirit of God may come to you, may not come to you. Sometimes when people say God spoke to me inside, it's really your spirit talking to you. Because your spirit man has voice. It's, are you not praying the Spirit? Is it not in praying? God speaks to us, but his voice is more, you, you will know when the, the Spirit of God is speaking, because it's more like he speaks with authority. You notice that this is the Lord. You don't have to ask questions. You know that is it. Sometimes it's your spirit because your spirit knows all things. Your spirit, it's talking to you mostly through your spirit too. Now, the, the conscience of the Christian is a very important guide that's for him. And the, 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 his, the, his own born-again spirit, the, he, your conscience is the voice of your spirit. Your spirit uses your conscience to guide you to. Because your spirit is, has the life of God. And the Bible says you know all things. Your spirit knows more than the natural. Your natural being knows. Knows more than the natural being knows. Because it's in him that the Holy Spirit lives. So use, your conscience can be a very useful guide. For those who are nurtured in truth. Again, you need to know that it's not every type of conscience that guides you. There are three types of conscience. Let me read Romans 
He said, they demonstrate that God, God's law is written in their heart for their own conscience and thoughts. Either accuse them or tell them they are doing wrong. Right. So he said, your conscience can tell you you are wrong or tell you you are right. And sometimes, you know, I keep telling people, once you have your conscience bothering you, you are doing something wrong. You go, and we rationalize it and we want to, it's showing you this is wrong. He said, I didn't do anything. You did. Has your conscience ever bothered you that you came to church? Have you ever come to church and your conscience is bothering you? Have you ever come, have you ever, have, tell me, have you ever prayed and your conscience is bothering you? Prayed? No. Once it starts bothering you, you did something wrong. But because, you know, we, we, we like to be, how do I put it, in denial so we still look good. So we, 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 we try to rationalize and shut him down, which is a dangerous thing to do. Because if you keep doing that at a point, it becomes dead in that area. And if you have a dead conscience in an area, you have given the devil a platform to ruin your life. And we read, we read it in scripture. Now look at evil conscience is the conscience that we never respond to the truth. <laughs> You're not going to respond to the truth. First Timothy 4, 2, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with hot iron. That dead conscience is evil conscience. Hebrew 10, 22. Let us real now with a true heart in full assurance of it, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. An evil conscience will not believe God. We not act that. The word of God doesn't touch it. It's called evil conscience. That one will not. A Christian can't have it. If you start having it, you put yourself in trouble. Then there's weak conscience. Weak conscience is the conscience that can't act on self-conviction. It's called, they call it other directed human being. If it takes position here, another friend comes, he shifts, a friend here. Another friend comes, he shifts. You know, he's just a man pleaser. Pleases people, pleases people. He, he acts according to who is around to please the person. You can come now and say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Immediately you leave, another set of friends come, he says to them, yeah, yeah. That conscience is terrible. The Bible calls it a weak conscience. It's a conscience that can't act on conviction. That can guide you. First Corinthians 8, 7. Habit, there is not in every man that knowledge. You see, it's a conscience of people who are ignorant. So they don't act on conviction because they're ignorant. They don't have knowledge. For some with conscience of the idol unto this hour, eat it as a thing offered to, unto an idol. And their conscience being weak is defied. See, because they have weak conscience, they don't have knowledge that there's nothing like idol. So their conscience is bothered. When there's nothing like idol, they don't have, they don't have knowledge. But the good conscience is the one that should guide you and me. This conscience is not child on truth. It's a conscience that has been fed on truth and can stand on conviction. That's the conscience that can guide a Christian. First Timothy forces. If thou put the burden in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. Any Christian nourished up in the words of faith, not laws, words of faith and good doctrine, will develop a good conscience. First Timothy 1.19. Holding faith, you see, nourished up in the word of faith, Holding faith and a good conscience. Good conscience comes because of the knowledge of truth you have. And of good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith, have 
made shipwreck of their faith. They destroyed their faith. That's what I'm saying. If you keep rationalizing, you know, quitting your conscience, they won't let it guide you. Won't. At a point, in that area, you become dead. No matter what, you won't feel it. But you handed the devil a platform. He will wreck your faith. If you are interested in developing a good conscience to guide you, you must intentionally allow your conscience to guide you. He said, holding faith and a good conscience. You have to hold it. Look at what Paul said in Acts, 20, Acts 23, in verse 1. And Paul, honestly beholding the counsel, said, Men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. He said, I have lived before God and man in all good conscience. It is the way I purposely live my life to make sure that what I'm doing, I have clear conscience about. Hebrew 13, 18 tells us how to develop a good conscience. Pray for us, for we trust we have a good conscience in all things, willing to live honestly. That's how you do You're willing to live. So when your conscience begins to tell you this is not on, no, uh, 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 you say, yeah, that's true, Lord. <laughs> I don't see it, but Lord, if my conscience body me it has to be right. You go to the Lord in prayer. I will show you, yeah. Because sometimes you can be doing something good, but the motive is wrong. The motive is definitely wrong. And your conscience will bother you. Willing to live honestly. is to say in all things, I want to be honest with my assessment of it. Not protecting myself. Then there is spiritual perception. You may not know anything, but you just perceive that this is like this. In Acts 27:10, and said unto them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the landing and ship, but also of our. I didn't say God told me. He said, I perceive this. Peter said to Simon, I perceive. I perceive. He said, I perceive something about you. That your heart is not right with God. I perceive. By my spirit, I perceive this. And then something that, you know, that's a long line of perception is the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Because he can prompt you to do something. He can prompt you to do something. If, if, if it's, good to, it's good to always be aware that he can prompt you. Look at Galatians 4, 6. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out Abba Father. He's prompting you to pray. He's prompting you to pray. You know, you have this desire, prompting you. But you don't know why, but you're cooking soup. But he's saying, pray, pray, pray. It's, you won't hear a voice, but he's prompting Like this thing is, it's urging you, pray, pray, pray. There could be somebody in danger. And God wants you to pray at that moment. You are making soup, but somebody is in trouble. All you need to do is, right there, you can start praying the spirit if you are... Soup is where you can be uh, in the spirit, or you can put everything and, and go somewhere and pray in the spirit until you have release. Until he releases you from that assignment he's giving you. It's literally you will hear why God prompted you at that moment. Sometimes it can be a family member in danger. Sometimes it can be danger coming your way. He prompts you to do something. We must be aware of all these ways that he's leading us. Now, Things that affect guidance. Being self-willed 
People who are self-willed, people who are stubborn, they don't develop good conscience. People who are self-willed and stubborn, they don't develop good conscience. Titus 1.7, for a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed, not so angry, not given to wine, not striker, not given to filthy lucre, that is money, filthy money. The scripture says, we can't be, if you are given to self-will, then your will will conflict with the will of God. Jesus told us to learn of him that he's weak, he's meek. Meekness is easily entreated. The Bible said the wisdom from above is easily entreated. Easily entreated. It doesn't need too much persuasion to do things. It's not stubborn. And what, what fuels stubbornness or self-will is 1 Corinthians 3.18. Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seem to be wise in this world, let him become a fool that he may be wise. It's when we think we know too much. I know what I'm doing. Who can tell me anything? See people you can't, that can't take instruction, go and read what the Bible says about it. There are people that can't take instruction. The only instruction they will take is the one that they agree with, that works in their own plan. Once it's not according to their plan, we'll see your thing. And they think they are good because their conscience is dead. Over years, practiced over years, that conscience, in that area, they don't feel anything. And watch their life. Watch their life. They don't feel anything. They feel justified. Oh, you can't tell them anything. If you are telling them they have their plan and you are talking nonsense, what, can I, what, I, what is he talking about? I'm not kidding. They have their plan. So not, nobody can talk to them. Not even God can talk to them. But they must follow their plan. That will impede guidance because if you are following your plan, what is God guiding you again for? Proverbs 3.5. Trust in the Lord with all thy heart. And lean not unto thy own understanding. In all thy ways, acknowledge him. He will direct thy path. Be not wise in thy own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from the evil of being wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Honor God. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Be a child. If you want him to guide you. See, children, kids are being led by their parents. But adults on their way. So if you want God to guide you, you need to be a child. To be a baby. The other thing that hinders guidance is lack of spiritual development or living in the flesh all the time. Not interested in developing your spiritual, your spiritual life. Development of spiritual life is, is a goal somebody must set for himself. It's something you do intentionally. You want to really spiritually grow. But if you are walking in the flesh all the time, it will impede your ability to understand the guidance of the Holy Spirit. It will impede it, severely impede it. So when we walk in the flesh and our flesh is manifesting all the time, we are putting ourselves in great disadvantage because we miss the guidance of the Holy Spirit because the flesh, we can't follow him, we can't understand him. But you have made the flesh your way of life. First Corinthians 3.1, however, brethren, I could not talk to you as to spiritual men. You see, I can't speak to you as to spiritual men 
but as to non-spiritual men of the flesh, in whom the carnal nature predominates, as to mere infants in new life in Christ, unable to talk yet. You see, I can't talk to you because you are carnal. The Holy Spirit can't pass some information to you because you are carnal. You won't understand it. You won't. So another major hindrance is focus on the supernatural instead of the spectacular. the spectacular instead of the supernatural. Always thinking that the Holy Spirit is about spectacular moves and things. No, all these who I've read now, which of them is spectacular? But they are supernatural. But unfortunately, the notion of the Holy Spirit is power, power. So we must see something happen, 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 miracles. All this great work he has done that we are enumerating, awesome work he does in the life of a Christian. Which one of them is, is, a, is a, a, a spectacular in nature? But they bring glory to Christ. So we must disabuse our interpretation of what the Holy Spirit does by, by walking by sight, only by sight. If it's, if it's not spectacular, it's not the Holy Spirit. It's not true. Even when you pray sometimes, sometimes you pray, it looks so cold. Who told you it's not the Holy Spirit is not working? Who told you God didn't hear you? All this idea of Jim Jim is bunk, it's, it's flesh. Most of their prayers that God answered you, you didn't even see, you, you just spoke on somewhere and said, Lord, please do it. And you see the answer. Because then you didn't give the devil opportunity to interject doubt in you. You just said it, forgot it. And God just, boom, you just saw the answer. So this kind of mindset is not helpful. It makes us not know and acknowledge all the works of the Holy Spirit because we want to see in one, one realm, one dimension, one manifestation where he's doing a lot in us on daily basis, like guidance, on daily basis. Ask 8, 9, a man named Simon had been a sorcerer there for many years, amazing the people of Samaria, claiming to be someone great. Everyone from the least to the greatest often spoke of him as the great one, the power of God. You see? see? You see what that thing does? Because you think everything that's spectacular must be God. It's not true. Friends, it's not true. I keep saying it, it's not true. Because I've experienced it myself. I have. I've seen supernatural manifestations that are demonic, completely demonic. And if God didn't reveal it to you, because the devil is a, is a great liar. He will fake this thing in such a way you think it's God. Somebody who told me that I will be pastor abroad, fake prophet, told somebody I will marry my wife when I didn't know her. And the day I was waiting, the, the man came to me and said, man, this guy is a great prophet too. He told me you will marry this your wife. I said, let me see it happen. So many things. He believed he tell us who will come. Tell us the, the, the time, the clothes they wear, the number of their car. And they will come like that. They will come like that. But at a point, I called my wife. I said, this man is not of God. I said, no, he's not a prophet of God. My father called me and said, that man is not of God. It, these things, we, we, unless we disabuse our mind, we'll not be able to judge things properly. So this man, they all called him the greatest, the great one, the power of God. They listened closely to him because for a long time, he has standing there with his magic Exodus 7, 11. Then Pharaoh also 
called the wise men and the sorcerers, now the magicians of Egypt. They also did in like manner with their enchantment. For they, for, for they cast down their, every man his rod, and they became serpents too. They became serpents too. Second Thessalonians 2 now. This man will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit power and signs and miracles. He will use every kind of evil deception to fool those on their way to destruction. Why? Why will he fool them? Because they refuse to love and accept the truth that will save them. People who don't want to know the truth, who are following all these things around, they don't want to deceive. Because if you know the truth, it sets you free. And the truth is Christ. Let me tell us a couple of things you look out for. Number one is, does it glorify Jesus as Lord and Savior? Does it lift Jesus up? All those miracles, does, does it glorify Jesus or glorify man? Acts 39, and all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they knew that it was the, he which sat for arms at the beautiful gate, uh, gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. And as the lame man which was healed, held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon, greatly wondering. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, you men of Israel, why marvel you at this? Or why look, look ye so earnestly on us? Why looking at us? Oh no, today now is the man of God anointed. They have three, 12 fools and 12, 13 people following him. Why marvel ye at us? Or why look ye so earnestly on us as though by our own power or holiness we made this man to walk? Instantly give the glory to Jesus. I didn't do anything. Verse 13. The God of Abraham and Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our father, had glorified his son Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and desired the mother to be granted unto you and kill the prince of life whom God has raised from the dead whereof we are witnesses and his name through faith in his name had made this man strong whom you see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him had given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you. That should be opportunity to present Christ the miracle work. If it's not done, it's not the Holy Spirit. Paul, Acts 14, and there sat a man at Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb, who never had walked. The same had Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him, perceiving that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, stand upright on thy feet, and he leaped and walked. And when the people saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in the speech of Lyconia, the gods are here, <laughs> the gods are come down to us in the likeness of men. And they called Barnabas Jupiter, Paul Mercurius, because he was the chief speaker. Then the, chief, the priest of Jupiter, which was brought before the city, brought oxen and garland unto the gates and would have done sacrifice with the people, which when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of, they rent their clothes and running among the people, crying out and saying, Sirs, why do you this since we are men of like passion with you? We are human beings. 
and preach unto you that you should turn from these vanities unto the living God, which made heaven and earth and the sea and all the things that they are in, who in time past suffered all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he left, no, he left not himself without a witness, in that he did good and gave us rain from heaven, fruitful season, filling our house with food and gladness. And with these sayings, scarcely restrained the people that they had done sacrifice unto them. They jumped in and said, no, this is God, it's God, not us. Don't give us this honor. Compare it with today, 2024. The Holy Spirit glorified Jesus. If it's him, John 16, 13. However, when he, the spirit of truth is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatever he shall hear, he shall speak. And he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me. He will glorify me. For he shall receive of mine and show it unto you. If he does any miracle, it's to glorify Jesus as the healer. To glorify him as savior. He came to glorify Jesus. Now, is the focus on eternal life or, or is the focus on earthly values? Is it just money? You know, so, but I must so, come and so, 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 so ministry, so. John 6, 24, do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures the everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. Don't labor for things that perish. Money, money, money. Is that the purpose of those things? Or is it for eternal life, the things that Jesus died to give? Second Corinthians 2.17, you see, we are not like the many hostas who preach for personal profit. We preach the word of God with sincerity and with Christ's authority, knowing that God is watching us. Watch those things. You can know whether it's God or the devil. Like finally, what fruits do you see, it in, see in their lives? What fruits? Don't neglect that. Please don't neglect that. By their fruits, you shall know them. Very important. Matthew 7, beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit. That is by the way they act. Can you, can you pick grapes from tongue bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces a good fruit. Good, good fruit. And a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit. And a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down, thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, you can identify people by their actions. Are they, are they proud? Are they unreachable? Are they, are they making themselves object of worship? You owe it to yourself, child of God. First Thessalonians 5.21, prove all things, hold fast, that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil. You owe it to yourself. Pay John 4, beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirit whether they are of God. Because many false prophets are gone out into the world, many, not few. Praise the Lord. Let me go and teach about healing. Very interesting. Whoa, <laughs> it's awesome. Let me tell us something. You already have faith to be healed. The Lord tell me, say, this is the roadblock. He said, many people don't know they have faith already. 
So they are trying to get it. And they try to get it. They miss their healing. You already have faith to be healed. Not going to have. You already have it. This is why the problem is we are trying to get faith. And because we are always trying to get faith, we don't get healed. We are trying to. Why we have faith all this while? So what does, the Bible said, what does it mean to trust in the Lord with all your heart? And not lean unto your own understanding. As I, is, what does it mean? It means don't trust, don't, don't try to use your understanding, your feeling, to exercise faith and walk. It's only with your heart you can trust God. Your understanding, your feeling cannot trust God. Leave them out of your business. But we try to exercise faith by our feeling and understanding. And we say we don't have faith. Because your feeling and understanding, we never have faith. And they will show up. They will always show up and say, I don't believe what you're doing. And so we, we, we look up to them. And then we get convinced, I don't have faith. So we're working hard to have faith. Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? So, our understanding and our feelings, let me say it again. These two things are not given to you to use to believe God. You can't believe God with your feelings and intellect. Never. They are flesh. They are carnal. You can only believe God by your spirit. And many Christians, they have faith already by their spirit. But the devil is deceiving them because they are listening to their feelings and listening to their head and say, well, I don't have faith. So as long as you are saying that, then the faith you have won't work for you. Let me show us something. Romans 10, 10. It tells us how to believe God. For with the heart, man believe it. It didn't say you believe with your head. It didn't say you believe with your feeling. My feeling is not what I used to believe. My intellect, my understanding what I'm seeing is not my organ of faith. They, they are there. They have, they have what they're thinking, what they're feeling. But it's not what I used to believe God. I believe God with my heart. There's no way the Bible said, the Bible didn't say, for with my feeling, I believe God. It didn't say with my understanding, I believe God. It didn't say that. It says with my heart, with my heart, I believe unto righteousness. And with the mad confession is made unto salvation. So, for the scripture said, that whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Believeth on him by his heart, not by his head, not by his feeling. So, what does it mean to believe with the heart? And as soon as we can understand that, when we nail it this night, and you know you have, I'm going to convince you you have faith. You already am with scripture. I'm going to convince you. And because you have it, you will see it work for you. Stop struggling to get faith. Stop. What is the heart? First Peter 3 3. Whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair and of wearing of good or of putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart. When he talks of the heart now, we see that the heart is a, a living personality, it's your spirit. The Holy Spirit calls him the hidden man, it's a living being. It's your spirit. That's what believes God. 
It's your hidden, hidden man of the heart. With your heart, you believe God. The Spirit of God, yes, say yes. That heart is the hidden man of the heart. That's what I'm talking about. Your flesh, your intellect cannot. But your hidden man is what believes God. It's what the hidden man is what believed, believes God. First, this uh, TPT says, it, it calls it um, inner personality you have. The inner personality. So what throws many people, well meaning Christians is, they, they, they think, I don't have faith. Why? Because they are listening to their feeling, listening to their head, and they are convinced they don't have faith because your head will never, never, it will give you trouble. Your head, your body will give you, will tell you you are not healed. Because they don't see it. Or it will believe when, you are, when they see it. Because that's what my, Thomas said, unless I see. That's your brain. You won't believe that you are healed. There's no way we believe. So as, because it doesn't believe you, it's giving you trouble. It's telling you no, it's not true. But you need to understand that it's, it, that's what it should be. They, they have to do it. So you disregard them and know that you don't believe with your head and your feeling. You believe with your heart. Because when, they, when you start listening to them, you say, oh, I don't have faith. No, you have. And I'll convince you you have. You do have. Oh, you have. It's your spirit. It's right there. Here's an example. Jesus said unto him, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believe it. And straightway, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, oh, but I have a problem somewhere. There's a part of me that's not believing. Yes, your head won't believe now. It's normal. It's normal, but that doesn't mean you don't believe. He said, I know I believe, but I have unbelief somewhere. Yes, that unbelief is not your spirit. It's your head, it's your flesh must give you, it won't believe. He said, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. I believe that something in me is saying it's not true, but I know I believe it's true. This is, this is normal experience. Let me prove to you that you have it. So you can switch over and start confessing I have it, I believe. It's in my spirit. It's in my spirit. Let me show you have it. Romans 12, 3. For I say, if you are believed, let me see your hand. I mean, if you are saved, let me see your hand. You are saved, right? How did you get saved if you don't have it? You got saved by faith. If that faith brought you salvation, isn't healing part of the salvation? If that faith brought you salvation, that faith can also manifest your healing. Romans 12, 3. For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God had dealt to every man, every man, every man, every man. Every man what? Every man what? A measure of faith among you. You have a measure of faith. God gave it to you. That's why you believed in Christ and got saved. It came through the gospel.
I have the same faith Abraham had. Romans 4.3. For what say the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for what? Righteousness. Do you know that you too, when you believe Christ, God counted you righteous too? Why? Because you exercise the same faith Abraham exercised. Let, let me show you in, in Tatos, the place we read in Tatos. I hope I can get it. The place we read in the book of Tatos. Yeah. Um, let me see. It's, the book of Tatos, where it's talking about our salvation that God gave it to us free, and that we are counted righteous too. The reason we are counted righteous is, yes, Titus chapter 3, verse 5. Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous. It is the same faith we exercise when you believe in Christ, and God also counted you as righteous. It is the same faith Abraham showed that gave him Isaac. Titus 3, 5. He saved us not because of the righteous thing we had done, but because of his mercy, he washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. See what he did because we believe Christ. Too. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ our Savior. Because of his grace, he declared us righteous. He declared us righteous. So when you came to Christ, you exercised the same faith Abraham exercised for which God called him righteous and God also called you righteous. He called you righteous. If that faith could bring Isaac, your faith will bring you healing. Called you righteous. It's the same faith Abraham exercised that you too exercised when you came to Christ. I'm going to back to what, what, what I read. Yep. For Romans 4, for what said the scripture? Abraham believed God. It was counted unto him for righteousness. And you believe Christ, it was counted to you for righteousness. The Bible says God also counted you righteous because you exercised the same very faith Abraham exercised to be counted righteous. You exercised it and you were counted righteous. You were accepted because of your faith. So you are not really weak in faith. Your faith is strong. If the faith Abraham exercised got him Isaac, the faith you exercised that gave you new birth, gave you new, new life, gave you healing too, Gave you healing too. He didn't give you new life and left out some. No, no, no. He gave you salvation, everything. You have it, you have faith, you have everything. The problem is you don't know you have it. So you are trying to get it. And while trying to get it, it's not manifesting. It's like trying to get my salvation. He <laughs> said, no. Are you saying, yeah, but I'm trying to get it. I'm trying to, you know, get faith so my salvation will manifest. Nobody talks like that. You are not weak in faith either. Romans 4.19. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now dead, 
when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able to perform. You say, oh, pastor, I'm not strong in faith. You are. You don't know it, but you are. I'll prove it to you here. The Bible says in verse 21, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Are you not persuaded? You know you are. You believe that God will do what he said. You believe now. You do believe. You do believe. You are persuaded. You are. So if you are persuaded that God will do what he said, then we, we check it for you. We check it, number one, strong faith. We have checked it. You believe that God will do what he said. Number two, verse 20. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Don't you give glory to God? You give glory to God. When, you, when we read the scriptures and things, you start giving glory to God. We check it for you. Strong faith, glory to God. You do give. You do give. People with strong faith give glory to God. People with strong faith are persuaded that God will do what he said. So you have strong faith. You say, Pastor, but what? the problem is because you don't know you have faith. Because you don't know you have faith, you believe you don't have faith. And because you believe you don't have faith, you don't see what your faith will manifest for you. You don't see it. So when you come, when you read these things, you start, you start, let's praise God, you know, Christ has healed us. Are you not the one doing that, praising God like Abraham? Because at that moment, at that moment you are doing that, you are showing strong faith. But what happens is that after that, the devil shows up and says, you don't have faith, my friend. See how you feel. <laughs> and what do you see? You are not supposed to believe with those things. They're irrelevant. If you see that you have strong faith, yeah, you believe, according to what is written, that's how you fight off. You don't go and let him convince you you don't have faith. And you say, oh, man, Pastor, you know, I don't have faith too. I'm trying to get faith. No, you have faith. You have faith. God has dealt every man in measure of faith. You have faith. You can feed your faith to grow, but don't say you don't have faith. Because even a faith, small seed faith will get to a miracle. You have faith. So next time that your, your brain, your body, your feeling says you don't have it, tell them, shut up. I believe by my spirit, not by those things. These things can't, they don't believe nothing. Because while you are believing, they are manifesting unbelief according to their nature. This man said, I believe, but I have an issue with unbelief. Yes, he believes, all right, but his unbelief, his body was afraid because that's what it does. But his spirit was strong and said, yeah, that's true. And because you believe by your spirit, you can say, yeah, my spirit believes it. I have faith. I'll see the glory of God here. I have faith. I believe. I do believe it. I don't believe it. And the devil say, but you don't believe now. I say, yeah, of course. It's my flesh you're talking about. But my spirit, I do believe. I, the only thing I believe with is my spirit. The hidden man of the heart. I do believe that I'm healed. I believe it. I do believe it. I believe it. I'm giving glory. Didn't you see me in church give glory to God? People with strong faith give glory. I'm giving glory. Then you fight the fight of faith and make, fight it tough and insist that you have faith. That God has dealt to everyone a measure of faith. Insist you have faith. 
believe you have faith to be healed. And keep giving God thanks. On Psalm 103, you, people with strong faith, they keep giving thanks. So you keep giving thanks. You can do that. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And forget not his prayers. Say, Lord, I have faith. Strong faith people give thanks. Abraham gave thanks. I'm giving thanks right here. Who forgives all my iniquities? Who heals all my diseases? Who redeems? I'm not doing this to get faith. I'm doing it to manifest my faith that I already have. See, really people are doing it to get faith. No, they already have it. You simply saying so. Faith speaks. I'm manifesting it. I do have it. Abraham gave thanks according to that which was spoken. Now I'm giving thanks myself. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities? Who heals all your diseases? Who redeems your life from destruction? Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies? Who satisfies your mouth with good things? So that their youth is renewed like they go. That's what Abraham was doing. So you do it. He said, I have strong faith too. I have the faith of Abraham because I was counted righteous when I believed in Christ. That, if that faith gave Abraham Isaac, my faith brings me my healing. And I'm manifesting it. I have faith. I'm just, my, by the heart I believe, my mouth, I'm confessing unto, unto, unto reality. I have faith. It's in my heart. I'm not trying to get it. No, 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 no. Devil, you can't deceive me anymore. I don't, I'm not hearing, I have faith. Oh, I have it. I, I have faith. Lord, I have faith. It's in my heart. It's in my spirit. I'm manifesting it with my mouth. I'm not trying to get it. Healing is my own. I believe so. If you can switch your mindset from trying to get to I have it, you agree with scripture. And as you're manifesting it by saying it, it works for you. I dare you to do it. Just easily like that. You see that your faith manifests. You see the healing manifest. I said to the Lord, I want people on Sunday who are sick because I want to repeat this thing. He said, that's the roadblock. He said, they are trying to get faith, and they all have faith all this way. If you can convince them they have faith, if they can, if they can just know they have faith and start just saying so, and they see the healing just like that, just like that. It's not too difficult. See, that's not about God that's difficult. Just like that. Just like that. Because you say, if you say you don't have faith, then you are hindering the faith you have. Then you do have it. And you thank God that says, surely my sicknesses had born, my pains has carried them. You begin to say so. Say, because I have it. I'm saying so. Faith speaks. I have it. That's why I'm saying it. That's why I'm thanking God for it. I'm not saying it to have. No, I'm saying it because I have. And like Abraham's faith brought him the promise, your faith will bring, make the promise manifest for you too. And even if you do that tonight, wherever I, I will manifest to you right there. Just like that. Just like that. Just believe you have faith. And they start to exercise it by thanking God like Abraham. So I'm giving thanks. I'm giving glory to God. I have strong faith too. God has dared to me a measure of faith. I've received it. This same faith saved my life. This same faith brought me righteousness. Brings me my healing right now. The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. Let us pray. Precious Father, we just want to thank you for what you shared with us tonight. Wonderful, wonderful paradigm shift about faith. But we know that we have faith. We have faith. You dare to every man among us a measure of faith. Without faith, we can we, that got us righteousness. That faith got us all the benefits of salvation, including healing. We have faith. 
I pray, Lord, that you open our eyes to see it. So we'll start confessing what the devil wants us to confess and say we don't have it and we feel discouraged and we're struggling hard and I've tried. No, we have faith. We have faith. If we're confessing the scriptures, it's not to have it. We're confessing them because we have it in our heart. We're confessing them with our, with our mouths and that brings the reality. Thank you for teaching us. Thank you for what you taught us about guidance of your spirit, about recognizing the presence of your spirit in us. Thank you, merciful Father. Commit all these things into your hand. Only you can make sense of them. Blessed be thy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hello, church. Thank you for joining us for this week's Bible study. Please join us again by visiting live.ftlw.org. You can also visit our YouTube page to live stream our sermons or to catch up on sermons that you may have missed. On Sundays, service begins at 9.15 a.m. with Sunday school. If you would like